Ah, yes, it is DFS MVP. I'm Holden Kushner, and I got four for fours, director of DFS, TJ Hernandez, right here every single week, week 15 coming up. Welcome to episode 148. Before we get started on this 148th episode, TJ, tell us about the music here. I can't believe it's as old as you're going to say it is because it feels like it's older. <laughs> yeah, man. The uh, the the classic debut single from Kid Cudi, Day and Night, from his 2009 album, Man on the Moon, The End of Day, had to give a little shout out to Kid Cudi because he dropped his third Man on the Moon album this week. So specifically had this one in mind for that reason this week. If you enjoyed that intro, along with all of the other great intros to the DFS MVP podcast, you can get a playlist of all of those songs on Spotify. Search DFS MVP or check it out on my Twitter. I usually tweet the link to the playlist along with the podcast. Did you listen to the new Kid Cudi? multiple times already and your thoughts must be you like it a lot yeah man he's uh he, he's he's probably at least like post 2000 era uh in my in my top three rap artists for sure and that 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 original man on the moon is in my top five all-time albums what's the other four um i don't know but kid cuddy i i don't know off the top of my head but that one is is definitely right up there that was right in the middle of uh one of the uh when I was really having what about the time. chronic is that your top five uh I don't know if it's in my personal top five but <laughs> I mean it's uh like that era of hip-hop that that the chronic Dr. Dre uh -huh. Snoop like that's right when I started listening to rap I, like when I was like fourth fifth grade is when all that stuff started dropping so that all of that era has um a pretty special place yeah, for me one of my five favorite yeah. albums ever yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into this week 15 value plays. If you want to hear about our value 90s gangster rappers, uh, we can do that as well sometime. We'll talk yeah, about we'll this. <laughs> we'll do that in one of the AMAs. Maybe the end of season AMA will be an all hip hop AMA. Week 15 value plays. The theory segment's more going to be just a Saturday only slate breakdown. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Yeah. And we dropped the price again. TJ, here we go. DFS subscription. $24 weeks, 15, 16, 17. Then the wild card round, divisional round, conference championships. And I'm sure there'll be a little blurb on the Super Bowl as well. Absolutely. You get bets too, don't you? Yeah, you get access to our to our betting content. You get access to our Discord, uh, which, uh, I mean, we're all in just casually chatting. And then we do a couple um, official AMAs, mine on Saturday every week. So you get access to that as well. So, I mean, you still have seven full weeks of, of slates with multiple slates now with these Saturdays and random Fridays and stuff. So um, there's there's a ton of value. Uh, basically the price of a, of a DraftKings millionaire to get access to seven plus weeks of, of content and tools and, and projections. So, uh, yes, I mean, if you're playing even a couple bucks a week in DFS, it's still worth it for sure, especially if you just got knocked out of your redraft playoffs. Uh, let's get into the plays here, the value plays. I think there's three of them. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about two of them. 
The one guy I don't think we're going to get into, I think Taysom Hill's in play yep. this week. Absolutely. I'm sure you agree. Yes, you do. But let's start with Jalen Hurts. You like him at 6,900 FanDuel, 5,900 DraftKings, taking on Arizona on the road. Yeah, I wanted to bring up Hurts uh, specifically because his uh, $6,900 uh, uh, price tag on FanDuel stands out a little bit. Like you mentioned, Taysom Hill. We have a, a pretty big cluster of values on DraftKings in that like high five thousand, low six thousand dollar range. But uh, Hertz really stands out if we look at at both sites. We have him as a uh, top two value on both sites against Arizona. We saw Hertz in his first start last week, a hundred yards on the ground. But that's obviously something we're always looking for. Uh, a, a dual threat quarterback without rushing in floor. It's, it's been pretty much a must all year with the Kylers, the Josh Allens, uh, all of those guys just having um, huge rushing upside. You really want that. And Hertz didn't show much passing upside last week, but he was facing one of the best defenses uh, in the league, both in terms of pass rush and in schedule adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And uh, he gets a, a little bit easier of a matchup this week against the Cardinal, Cardinals who rank in the bottom uh, half of the league and schedule adjusted points allowed to the position. And, and the one thing I really like about Hertz is that he can be in the potential for a really up-tempo, uh, kind of underrated shootout game with Kyler on the other side. We've just seen the Cardinals three weeks before week 14 uh, just didn't look like the Cardinals we saw for most of the year. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Kyler being hurt. Last week, he pulled it down and, and ran 13 times. So I think Arizona pushes the pace back up for both sides like we've seen them do for most of the season. And that should be uh, really good for, for the Eagles, who looked like um, a, a decent offense last week. Obviously, they had a surprise win against the Saints. It was the first time they've scored more than 17 points since their Week 9 bye. First time over 23 points since Week 6. Uh, so, I mean, I, I really like the potential of this game for both sides. But if you can pay all the way down for Hertz in that uh, potential exciting quarterback matchup, it's it's a pretty good move. I like that Kyler call. Yeah. I like him in tournaments. Um, it's a, yeah, this is a great – I mean, Hertz is, is a great value play. Mm -hmm. um, probably, like, the, the most obvious value play in this game. But this is going to be a, a sneaky, stackable game. I think we talked about this last week, too. Where this was the fourth week of an injury that was, you know, supposed to be cleaned up by the fourth week. Mm -hmm. The AC joint was good enough to where he ran those thirteen times. Now he didn't yeah. put up big numbers. He only ran for what forty-seven. Yeah, that's that's fine though. I mean, just the, the fact volume running good. it. Yep, yep, exactly. There we go. So let's get to Lamar Jackson, eighty-two hundred Fanduel, sixty-seven hundred DK, taking on. Oh, this is a beautiful matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just mm -hmm. wear the right cleats, dude, and you're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, even with even with the bad cleats, uh, he's still and and the uh, and Poopgate, he still put up a, a monster uh, fantasy game. You last think he week. was uh, doing that, or you think I it's mean, an IV? I don't know, man. There's a lot of uh, uh, Twitter investigations going on, and I'm not I'm not buying the IV. The band aid was there before he went into the locker room. I don't know, Lamar. That was on a, on a complete tangent. That's the most fun I've ever had on Twitter. If we could, if we could have immature humor like that and the community come together to make childish jokes, it's never more fun. It was absolutely <laughs> spectacular. It was a lot of fun. And the fact that I was in the middle of just a, a legit fantastic game made it that much. That's better. exactly what it was. I'm saying to myself, "Oh my God." We're speculating whether or not he's pooping. Yeah, and this was... game is so spectacular. And then he came out and addressed it on Twitter and said he didn't do it. 
Yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was an all time uh, Twitter moment for sure. That was a fun one. But uh, all right. So, on, anyways, he got yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, on, on a serious tip. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we we have. I mean, Lamar is very expensive on on Fanduel. Um, obviously, that paying up for quarterback is always a little bit more feasible. That sixty seven hundred dollar price tag um, is relatively. I'm sorry, seventy five hundred dollar price tag is relatively high on DraftKings. Uh, but I mean, Lamar is. It's only a two-week sample, but he's like putting up 2019 Lamar numbers. He's just get more comfortable, averaging over 30 points per game over the last two weeks on the season. 66 rush yards per game, which obviously we're, we're always expecting with Lamar. Um, the the Ravens are favored by 13. They have a projected total over 30 and this game sets up for Lamar to uh, have a lot of passing upside like I said the last two weeks over 30 fantasy points per game in both of those games no more than 163 passing yards Jacksonville's 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks every single quarterback since week four has gone over 200 yards Uh, I know that's not like a huge number but if Lamar's putting up 200 that's a lot to go with his running uh Two-plus passing touchdowns allowed for the Jaguars in seven straight games. Some people might look at this and say Hollywood Brown on the COVID list. Not not testing positive. If it's a close contact, I think he can still end up playing. But, I mean, even if he, he doesn't play, um, we saw a whole season of, of Lamar being great without Hollywood uh, healthy or active last year. Uh, I mean, their receivers aren't aren't great obviously uh, mark andrews can do most of the damage lamar can do a lot of it with his legs um i think boykin sneed duvernay are enough for lamar against this defense where uh the, the matchup and lamar getting back to the lamar we expect is enough even if hollywood is out mm. let's uh get to the running back side of things derrick henry in another smash spot it's like he's got a good this many points in order to pay off his salary and then he does it two of the last three weeks yeah Basically had to have had him. Yep. 10-2 on Fandle. Even cash. Yeah, 10-2 on Fandle, 6,500 on DraftKings. It's just like over and over again. And you got to decide. You you jammed them both in, him and Adams. Yes. Maybe you got to decide. I mean, you don't have to this week, though, because we don't have the Packers. Yeah, I think it actually kind of makes it more uh, like we don't often think like this um but i mean we've we've had two guys for the past i don't know what five weeks that you're who do you jam in um whether it's been henry and adams or a few weeks ago there's a three-week stretch where it was dalvin and Devonte adams um i mean dalvin's in a pretty tough matchup this week and i think the decision like if you're it's if you're paying up are you paying for henry not henry or dalvin and Devonte's not on the main slate so you don't have the the either or decision and I know we um, we try to stick to data and actionable info on this, but I mean the if there is a narrative that we're going to chase, a two thousand yard season is one that is. I, I think that's one of those where a team is legitimately going to go after that. Derrick Henry has three games left. He's over fifteen hundred yards, so I mean he needs to. He doesn't even need to average two hundred a game to get to two thousand. I think he actually, if he really goes on a tear, has the all-time record in his sight. So if that, if he goes over two hundred this week, then we're like, I mean, we're forcing him in no matter the price because he's chasing the record now, right? Like he's he's chasing two hundred yards every week. That's on his mind. Um, but for this week at least, we're early in those stages. Tennessee's favored by 10 and a half in the best matchup possible. Detroit's last 
and schedule adjusted points allowed to opposing running backs. They've allowed six running backs to go over 20 Fandle points. Uh, eight running backs have gone over 20 DraftKings points. Remember that extra boost for PPR. And then on the other side, if Matthew Stafford is out, I mean, obviously the the betting lines account for this, but it's just even that much more likely that Tennessee finds themselves in a in a positive running up by a lot game script. Derrick Henry, baby. I love this next play. Do you think he gets to 2K? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think so too. And they just, just they they go for it, right? If it gets now that it's close, it's just one of those things. Teams go for those type of things. Well, they need to win. Well, yeah, for and sure. They're is, going after. Well, yeah. if if Derrick Henry's going for two hundred, they're winning most likely. Right? Yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like our best chance of winning in December is mm-hmm. riding this guy. Just yeah. put go every game. Are there um are there odds up on any sports books right now for him to get the record? Have you seen that at all? I have not. Have That'd not be a good one to it. bet, like right now, right? Just it's get in get, on it. Like, yeah. How many over under two hundred or two thousand yards for Derrick Henry? Or or the record? He he has the. I think if he goes for like two twenty a game, he has the all time record. That's insane. Two twenty, yeah. but I guess. I mean that there's got to be a lineup for it somewhere, and you're. I, I mean, if it if he's approaching it, you're not going to get better odds than this week, right? I want a 300 yard game out of that. Dude. <laughs> I'm serious. That would yeah. be so awesome. He just breaks yeah. off like two 80 yarders and it picks up 40 more some other ways. I mean, and... he he has the the December matchups to to do all these things. It could be it could be fun. Yeah, I don't want to be playing against him, but <laughs> it would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. DFS at 80 percent ownership to uh and go with still, Derek Henry. Yeah. you still need him yeah you still need him jeff wilson lo- absolutely love this play mm-hmm. this was a play from a couple months ago that i had in the afternoon slate i was like oh jeff wilson's getting the start yeah. this guy's kind of explosive he's gonna get some carries down at the goal line yeah. and uh this is from jp sneaky starts 5800 fan 5100 DraftKings at dallas and let me also say this that um if you are doing if you're if you're putting your lineups in you should be reading the sneaky starts article too i do every week it's part of my preps i i do too i mean it's 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 base it basically doubles as a um dfs value uh uh column because i mean uh, most or a lot of those guys are often relatively low salary plays um in dfs so even though you don't have the exact salaries there and you're not fitting them into the lineup it it doubles as a uh, value column for sure so yeah it's it's i mean it's hard to pick my favorite column on four for four but it's definitely um one of the ones i make sure i look at but i mean i was i was trepidatious about putting this one on here just because we how many times have we got burnt by a by a shanahan backfield but um i mean they've had multiple guys active for multiple weeks and haven't been spreading it out beyond Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert uh, for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Mostert's been the main guy, but uh, over those last three games with Mostert, Coleman, and McKinnon all active, Wilson has still seen 33 touches, 11 touches per um, in the last three game. Uh, and going back to week seven, which is I, th- I think this is the week you're talking about probably, uh, Wilson and McKinnon were both active and everybody thought it was a McKinnon week. Wilson, 19 touches for 120 total yards. I believe that was the week he was minimum salary and was like 0.1% in the winning millionaire lineup. 
and then San Francisco just is in a spot that sets up well for running backs. They're they're favored by three. They opened as a one point favorite, so the line has moved uh, two points all the way up to that critical number three. And Dallas over the last four games. 33 touches per game for 182 total yards to opposing running backs. Uh, again, all of that data from John Paulson's sneaky starts that you'll find on the redraft side of 4 for 4. Jeff Wilson, I like it. Uh, wide receivers. So do we need to talk about the big names, Tyreek? I mean, I, I think we should mention that they rank really high. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at the value reports on 4 for 4, the expensive wide receivers really dominate the value reports. Um, Tyreek Hill, uh, Calvin Ridley, and A.J. Brown. But, I mean, if we are trying to get to Henry, if we're possibly trying to get to Lamar and Henry, it just, uh, it's, at least in cash, obviously if you're stacking those offenses, you're getting those guys in there. In cash, it's just really hard to justify paying up for Tyreek when and and bypassing Dalvin. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Derrick Henry. Um, it just I, I I don't know how you build a cash lineup and take one of those wide receivers over the floor of the best running back in the league and the best spot in the league. Mm. So Brandon Ayuk has just been a stud, mm-hmm. and he's getting peppered with targets. He is 6,900. For the 49ers this week, 69 on FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings, and he's mm-hmm. got the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys, uh, we have them as a bottom 10 defense and schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And uh, like you mentioned, Ayuk's been getting a ton of targets, 13 targets per game over the last three games that he's been active. He missed a couple games in there in that, that five-week stretch. Um he had a COVID concern, but I mean, over his last three active games, 13 targets per game with at least 30% of the 49ers targets in two of those games, which obviously is important because it's not like he got 13 because the Niners had some crazy inflated pass total. He got 13 because he's seen a huge chunk of their passing share. And now with Debo Samuel out, obviously George Kittle's still out, um, even though I think he was activated or able to be activated off the IR, but that won't, that doesn't mean he's going to play this week. But uh, anyway, Ayuk is the clear number one. I mentioned that matchup against Dallas, and not just as a team do they rank poorly against wide receivers, which sometimes can be slightly misleading. Their outside corners have been really bad. They both rank in the bottom 10 in fantasy points per target allowed uh, to wide receivers. That's according to Sports Info Solutions. Very nice. We have T.Y. Hilton back mm-hmm. from the dead. I love it. It happened again last week. 6,800 FanDuel, 5,500 DraftKings, taking on Swiss cheese, the Texans, and I love this play again. Yeah, T- my, my favorite touchdown celebration of all time is the T.Y. I don't know why. Just It's so simple and so beautiful. Um, but this game has... Uh, a lot of shootout potential and over under over 50 the Colts are on the right side of it favored by um, over a touchdown but they've also been giving up a ton of points um, over the past month so they have a lot of games that have set up really well for shootouts and if that happens that's obviously going uh, to benefit both offenses specifically T.Y. who uh, has really turned it up over the last three weeks um, both in terms of output uh, touchdowns and, and volume 100 air yards per game over the last three and he faced is a Houston defense that ranks uh, second to last in fantasy points 
allowed to wide receivers when we adjust for strength of schedule. And again, going back to those individual matchups, not just team matchups, he should spend most of his time being covered by Philip Gaines. Philip Gaines has been targeted at the third highest rate among starting quarterbacks, uh, cornerbacks this week, and he's allowed the second most fantasy points per target. And you know what? I'm like, does does Julio ha- Julio has to be out for Russell Gage to be in play, or yes or no? I don't think he has to be out. Um, I mean, I, I know that Julio has been kind of iffy a, a bunch lately, so the I mean the numbers do account for that. But he hasn't been out every week since their buy, and Russell Gage has been getting really consistent work uh, over the last month, not just the games Julio has been out. Um, since their buy a month ago, four straight games, Russell Gage has played 70 snaps in every single game, at least 70 snaps. He's seen at least seven targets in three of those four games, two of them where Julio was active. Um, and Atlanta's just been throwing at a very high rate, so there has been enough volume to go around to make a third pass catcher viable. Hayden Hurst has kind of fallen by the wayside in favor of Russell Gage pretty much. And Tampa Bay, they've really struggled against wide receivers, bottom 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Again, let's look at the individual matchup. Where can they really win? Uh, in the slot where Russell Gage has run over 70% of his routes, uh, the Tampa Bay cornerback Sean Murphy bunting bottom 10 in fantasy points per target allowed. So, I mean, obviously if Julio is out, that gives Gage a boost. Um, but I think it's even if Julio's there, there's a chance that he's limited. We saw him play, what, 30% of the snaps when he was active a couple weeks ago. Uh, and he might be, we've seen him used in kind of decoy type situations before. I mean, Julio leg injuries, it's just even if he's active, there's so much unknown. And Russell Gage is, especially on DraftKings where he's only 4700 but I mean, 5700 is really cheap on FanDuel too. Um, you're not really putting a ton of risk into it. So I I think on, on a slate where they're, I mean, a, there's a couple values that are okay, but like we don't have glaring wide receiver salary saving options. So I think even if Julio is active, I'm, I might still just play gauge because there aren't a lot of cheap guys that i like what do you think his ceiling is this week is this like a so let's see here if he gets five catches for 80 and a touchdown that's what 19 is that his ceiling yeah I th- a 20 fantasy 20 dk points that's i mean if you're getting 20 DK, dk points at sub five thousand dollars you're you're in it you're no matter what format you're in you're looking pretty he has a nice floor too He's yeah. not going to kill you. You can get five or six. Um, I just feel better without Julio. That's just me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, definitely if Julio's out, it's better play. But you can you can consider it at least even with with Because, again, I mean, who knows how – even if Julio's active, how much is he playing? I got so carried away. He's 5,700 on FanDuel, 4,700 DK taking on Tampa Bay. Okay, mm-hmm. tight end. See, it's like Kelsey – it's you just have to do that. You have to do Kelsey, don't you? At this point, without Devontae Adams, I don't know. Let's make some let's make some other decisions. Sell me on Mark Andrews, sixty eight hundred Fanduel, fifty five hundred DraftKings, Jacksonville, great well, match. Well, if yeah, if if Kelsey's going to have a down game, the Saints are the best team against tight ends in terms of schedule adjusted points allowed to the position. Obviously, it's Kelsey. Obviously, it's the Chiefs. You could kind of throw matchups out the window. He's pretty much matchup proof. But 
if you're going to look for a reason to not pay all the way up, then that is it. And we still have to consider value. If we, if we're saying that we don't really want to pay up for Tyreek, Calvin, and AJ, Kelsey's just as expensive as as them. He's 8,500 on Fanduel, 8,000 on DraftKings. He's a wide receiver one or more expensive. Um, so if you look at someone like Mark Andrews, you're getting him for $1,800 less on Fanduel. You're getting him for $2,300 left on DraftKings, like we said, with Hollywood Brown likely out. Even with Brown active, Mark Andrews, 28% target share in his last three games. That he's been active. He's second in air yards per game since week 10 behind only Travis Kelsey. Over the last two weeks, he's the only one besides Kelsey with over 100 air yards uh, per game. And then you can look at it one of two ways. You are getting that uh, passing exposure to Lamar if you don't end up paying for Lamar. Or you could try to play him in Lamar in any format and theoretically get all of the Ravens points. I mean, there there is a game scenario where Lamar rushes for two and throws for two and none of his running backs score, um, and both of those could be Tandrews. I mean, obviously that's, that's hitting perfectly, but Andrews gets so much of the work through the air that I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Mark Andrews, baby. Uh, Dallas Goddard. He's back in the circle of trust this week. 5,900 FanDuel, 3,900 DraftKings at Arizona um, because Jalen Hurts really likes him, huh? Yeah, I mean, I I would say back in the circle of trust by default. Um, this is kind of just uh, a war of attrition play, like the, <laughs> the, only, the only volume left at the position besides Andrews and Kelsey. Yes, Goddard did. Uh, lead the team in targets with Hertz starting. So that, I mean, that is obviously, it's a small sample, but it's all we have to work with. Hertz was active, he started, and he looked Goddard's way more than anybody. That's important. That's our, our data point that we have to go on. But, I mean, we've been talking about the past, what, five, six weeks, how much tight end has fallen off in terms of expectation and, and player availability. Over the last month, there are nine tight ends that have averaged at least six and a half targets per game, and none of them are available. Already, We got Andrews and Kelsey and Goddard. And then the other ones we have Ingram, Waller, Henry, Ebron. Those four, none of them are on the main slate. Mike Kosicki is hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. If he does, might be limited. TJ Hawkinson, he is going to be playing with a backup quarterback most likely. So out of our nine... Um, tight ends averaging over six and a half targets per game six of them are either not on the slate or not really viable plays this week so it's i mean there really isn't any other option except for maybe logan thomas or just chase touchdowns like the only volume play at tight end besides the big two is dallas goddard oh boy let's do some defenses how about them rams Let's just take everybody against the Jets. 5,000 on FanDuel, 4,500 DK. Let's take offensive players. Let's take the defenses. Let's do everything. How does that sound, TJ? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's pretty tough to pay all the way up uh, on, on DraftKings, at least, uh, on defense. On FanDuel, that $5,000 price tag um, isn't as intimidating, but... If you're facing the Jets, I mean, it's it's something that you have to strongly consider because the Rams, they are favored by 17. 
They have one of the best pass rushes in the league, ranked in the top five in um, adjusted sack rate. The Jets rank at the bottom five in adjusted sack rate. And the Jets also rank in the bottom three in schedule adjusted points allowed to uh, to defenses. So, I mean, when you have a team that's favored by 17 points and, and they if the game flow goes that way, they're going to have a lot of scoring opportunities in terms of fantasy points. Um, and I think it's one, at least you, I don't know if you could fit it into cash games on DraftKings, but uh, it's one you definitely want some exposure to it in, in some respect. Yeah, the Rams, man. And Aaron Donald apparently is having his worst season ever. Like, this is a pretty oh. bad worst season, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. It's, Horrible. It's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Buccaneers, <laughs> 4,000 on FanDuel. 3,000 on DraftKings at Atlanta. Yeah, they, I mean, we have... So they can go a little bit overlooked. Six points is um, is usually a pretty big spread, but we have three teams favored by double digits. I believe we have five favored by over a touchdown. So the Bucks they opened as four-point favorites, has moved all the way to six. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty big number. And, and Tampa Bay, they do rate, even though their secondary has struggled, they rank top three in adjusted sack rate. And as we mentioned earlier with Atlanta, top five in uh, neutral passing rate over the last six weeks. So... Uh, Buccaneers, they're just a a cheap favorite. Uh, they have a pass rush that can get after a team that already throws a lot, uh, even if they're not behind. And then this is going to be, a, a, I think, probably a popular game to stack. So from a tournament perspective, if you do play the Bucks defense, you're going to get uh, a lot of leverage off of some relatively um, popular uh, offensive plays on both sides of the ball. Move on to the uh, theory segment here, and it's mm-hmm. more of just a, a nice little look at the strategery uh, yeah. as a short slate, like a two-gamer, which is yeah. kind of fun. If a lot of you may play Sunday night to Monday slates or Monday to Thursday slates. Very similar here. Um, Saturday-only slate, let's get into it, man. Uh, more than anything else, uh, let's talk about the strategy and then mm-hmm. maybe a player or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have, I mean, if you're looking at like what they're going to lay out, this is basically the same slate that we had for Thanksgiving. Remember Thanksgiving had that, um, the, the night game taken off. So we ended up with a two game slate. So that's probably the, the majority of listeners or DFS players. The last time they played a short slate like this. Um, and we have two short slates the next two weeks. We have two Saturday games this week, uh, three Saturday games next week. And both sides, FanDuel and DraftKings, outside of the main slate, that's where the big money is going to be at. They're going to have some big tournaments for both of these. So um, back in week 11, in preparation for the Thanksgiving slate, we did a full theory segment on how to prepare for short slates. So if you didn't play a Thanksgiving slate or you never do and you, um, you're you planning on playing the next two weeks on Saturday, I'd recommend going back and fast-forwarding to that theory segment and listening to it. Um, but just like a, a quick recap of, of some of the thoughts on there. On these short slates, especially two-game, like two, I know this is two-game and next week's three-game, that one extra game, two extra teams, all those offensive players, it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, the overlap on a two-game slate is going to be insane. So I highly recommend that people play mostly, if not all, GPPs. Obviously, way smaller um, amount of money than you would play on a full slate just because there's going to be a lot of variance with all that overlap but um no matter how you cut it there's just going to be a ton of overlap in these games uh so 
with that in mind, like you're, it's going to be pretty tough to find really any unique players. Every relevant player is going to have some ownership. Like like ten percent ownership is going to be really low on a two game slate. Uh, so just think about building in terms of of game flow. If you're st- if you're stacking a game, how are you? What's the narrative of how that game is going to play out? Do you think? One team is going to win by a lot in one game, and the other game is going to be close. If that happens, how will the the fantasy points most likely shake out? You should be more inclined to be thinking about building lineups in that respect than looking for something like just points per dollar or value on a full slate where that can really um, separate you from just players that aren't good in DFS. And to kind of to that same note, just think about non-traditional lineup builds, something, things that you would just never do on a full slate. You could do on these type of slates, uh, some things that pop up that are, um, that you just might never think of as playing two running backs from the same game. That's pretty rare to do on a full slate, even though we've seen it quite a few times um, in winning GPPs this year. I think there's probably still a fair amount of people that just naturally would think that those uh, game flow scenarios combat each other, and in theory that makes sense. But on on a short slate, like two, if two running backs, if they each get, it might just take one touchdown each. They can separate themselves from the field. So opposing running backs are fine. Playing a defense versus your players, which is a huge faux pas um, on main slates. You you can play defense not just against one player. You can play defense against two, maybe even three players on an offense. Three might be pushing it, but uh, you can play defense against multiple offensive players. Um, and then leaving salary on the table is huge. That's probably one of the most um, underutilized and easiest ways to get unique on these super short slates. Um, just understanding rare leverage spots. Uh, again, you could listen to the theory segment for some really detailed discussion on this. But basically, on a full slate, you're never going to see quarterbacks tight end defenses in more than 15 to 20% of lineups. Obviously, when there's only two games, uh, the top quarterbacks, top defenses, they might push 50 60%. So just understand that there are going to be quarterbacks that you can get huge leverage with. Obviously, there are going to be bad plays in theory, but ownership-wise, huge leverage. And then... Uh, we always talk about late swap in any format. When there's only a two-game slate, it's just an absolute must. Again, there's so much overlap that once that first game is over, you need to see where you stand, see if your chalk plays are really busted. You just need to start throwing some way off the wall plays if you're trailing the field and only have some chalk players left. Wow, late swap. You yeah, do not uh, do not start drinking too heavily to where you no. can't make your swaps because yeah, this you is gotta, a Saturday night thing. Yeah, no shots until um, the final kickoff. Oh, it's tough, right? A lot of people yep. would be losing their money if they're not disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Give me that Thanksgiving example. Yeah, I just want, I mean, obviously on a short slate, so many things can, can um, one player can, can change the entire outcome of a slate. But again, because Thanksgiving might be the last time a lot of listeners or, or DFS players in general played a two-game slate, uh, just kind of wanted to look at their the main event. I just used the FanDuel main event just for a quick example, just to illustrate how like a, a winning lineup might um, come about. So the winning lineup on, on the FanDuel main event on Thanksgiving, six players from one game in the winning lineup with opposing running backs, um, two, one running back from each team in that game. Their defense was playing against two players 
in their lineup and they left $1,200 on the table. So all of those kind of examples we gave about how to be unique, they rolled into one lineup. Now, the difference in that play and third place was the defense. So the defense that they used ended up leaving $1,200 on the table with the same exact combination as the other eight players. The third place team used the expensive defense, which only left $300 on the table. So a build most lineup generators are going to get to um, that a lot of people are just going to land on because they're used to using a lot of their salary. That third place lineup had a 31-way tie for third. It was the what? same exact line. It was the same exact lineup except for the defense. And the difference was that the first place player who won $100,000 left $1,200 on the table. And my guess is that a lot of people hit an optimize button. Enter, and listen, the chalk hit almost perfectly on Thanksgiving. That's not going to always happen on these short slates. Um, so that's a lot of the reason why it looked like that. And there were like very clear running back plays which boost the chalk and, and makes lineups more likely to, to look the same. But, I mean, just that example alone, leaving that $1,200 on the table, like keep in mind, like you're going to have some very uncomfortable things that I talked about if you're used to playing main slates. Um, that was the difference between a th 100 grand in first place and then splitting 31 ways and each of you getting a thousand bucks. You 100 extra money by switching out the defense and leaving $1,200 on the table. Ugh. Salary, yeah. man. That's what will do it on these, yep. these smaller slates. Okay. Where do you want to go next? Ownership? Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's just kind of, um, yeah, lay out like what we have. So we got two games, Buffalo at Denver. Buffalo is favored by six and a half uh, with an over under of 50. But favored by six and a half that means they have an implied point total of 28.25 denver an implied point total of 21.75 uh the second game is green bay versus carolina green bay is favored by eight and a half over under 51 green bay with an implied point total of 29.75 carolina with implied point total of 21.25 basically we have two games that should be blowouts they should be blowouts should be blowouts never works that way does it never um, I actually think this Buffalo-Denver game is going to be a little closer than many would think. And then, But the whole thing is Buffalo doesn't run the football, so it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> they only have one running back. He's their quarterback. Uh, and he doesn't even run all the time. Where's ownership yeah. falling this week? What are we doing here? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I ran, I don't know if I would call it a simulation. I just went through some ownership numbers to try to th figure out what it might look like, make sure they all added up. Um, when you have a short slate like this, and you have these two offenses that are clearly superior, not only um, in fantasy, especially with their with their uh, great fantasy quarterbacks, but with these big lines, you're going to have ownership fall heavily on those players. So um, you're probably going to see Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon, Stephon Diggs, Aaron Jones, Cole Beasley, Josh Allen, Packers defense, Bills defense, Aaron Rodgers, all of them could easily draw 40% ownership. I think Adams could come in 70 to 80% even on the biggest um, biggest uh, tournaments. Uh, Tunyon, without a lot of tight end uh, options, he could be in over 50% of lineups. Diggs could be in over 50% of the lineups. Um, I think Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers, they'll probably combine for somewhere in the range of 
80% of lineups. You think 80? You don't think yeah. people would be taking shots on Bridgewater at more than like 12, 15%, huh? About 15, about yeah. 15 ish percent. Again, I, I just, I did a quick, I did a quick, um, uh, simulation just to see if these numbers added up to make sense for the slate. And like, this is kind of where it looked. I mean, for, for perspective in that main slate we had, obviously, um, there was, there was one very obvious play with the Texans, but, um, on Thanksgiving in the winning lineup, Sean Watson was in 69% of lineups in a, in a main event. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's, it's yeah. So Rogers and, 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 uh, Josh Allen probably combined for about 80% ownership in this one. I mean, oh, obviously there, there can be a lot of variance depending on the size of the tournament you play with these two. Um, but I'm just kind of running these numbers for like a, a 100,000 person field. And then I think with the running back situation, the way it looks, um, we basically have three timeshares and the Panthers. So I, I have, I think Mike Davis is in over 80% of lineups in the biggest tournaments. 80%. If you're playing, yeah, yeah if you're if you're playing 50-50s, he's probably in 95% of lineups. It's going to come down to salary again, then for it's sure. What yeah. you're going to leave out there, who you're yeah. going to exclude, and who you're going to include, because sure. Adams, you know, again, I mean, it's just going to be yeah. I mean, on we'll 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 be able to get a little more nuanced next week with um, three games again. That one extra game makes a really big difference in terms of breaking down combinations. Um, this this two game slate. I think it, it really just comes down to building around specific game flows. Um, but I mean, there's, there's, there's ways that you can get unique for sure. There's ways that we can get unique and that's the way we're going to have to do it. But this week, I don't think, I just don't think you can fade Adams. You just can't. No, I mean, I, yeah, I think, um, I think you're pretty much playing for, for the most part and maybe not all in the same lineup, but like it's Adams and Mike Davis and then figure it out from there. Yeah, like who? Yeah, there's just no. There aren't any other obvious volume plays. I mean, could, I mean, obviously we have Diggs and, and Beasley, but uh, I mean they could cut into each other a little bit. Like you just aren't getting the shares at the position that Adams and Davis are giving you from any other position. It's just a very unique slate in that the 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 three um, uh, running back shares just make it a, a kind of unique small slate. Man, this would be fun. I, I really do look forward to these type of builds with the two yeah. games. You really do need to put more than one lineup in, though. Kind of got to do a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, uh, there it there is some interesting theory if you're playing, if you're playing single entry tournaments. Like if, if I, like a lot of times I, I tend to be a little more conservative in my in my game selection. I'm looking for the best the best values. Um, I like the three max and single entry games because they often offer the best tournament value over the long run. Um, like on these short slates where there's so much overlap, I'm just, I'm going for the gold, right? So I might just find instead of playing a 150 max game, I might just find a three max game and then a couple different single entry games and just throw out some really super unique lineups and, and, and just go for the gold. Again, I'm not playing, thousands of dollars on on these short slates um just because i don't think there's a ton of value on them but you're you're playing um you're playing for the variance and the upside so you might as well build that way all right i got all excited to talk about Devontae adams gotta get back to running back right mm-hmm. yeah all right let's do it how are we attacking this you talked about mike davis i mean aaron jones could be popular williams like how do you trust i mean singletary maybe on dk yeah i think um I think probably my favorite play is to try to leverage off of Aaron Jones with actually with Jamal Williams um, in a lot of 
lineups just because um, they have had a a bit of a back and forth. Aaron Jones got back to a pretty big work share a couple weeks ago, but there's definitely been times where Jamal Adams um, has really cut into that workload. So again, on the short slate, especially again, it has a lot to do with the fact that we have three running back shares. Um, I, I think again, I just kind of ran numbers quickly. I think we could see Aaron Jones like in 50 to 60% of lineups and Jamal Williams in 20 to 30. So you're getting half of the ownership on a player that could potentially see equal volume on the big favorite. So I, I like the idea of being overweight on Jamal Williams. And then the other committee, uh, I like targeting the Bills committee a little bit more because we saw Zach Moss... Um, pretty much get benched after a fumble two weeks ago. And then he came back last week. Again, you, I mean, like you said, they don't run the ball a lot, the Bills. Um, but he did see Zach Moss saw 62% of the backfield touches last week. And we have seen him get goal line work when it hasn't been Josh Allen. So you could play Josh Allen, Zach Moss together again. This is a short slate. I think it'll be somewhat unique. Again, there's every iteration is going to be um, out there, but playing Moss in your Josh Allen builds uh, can be a way to corner all of their touchdowns if Moss gets that goal line work that we've seen him get before. So uh, I, I think obviously you got Mike Davis. The players I'm most likely to be overweight on are Jamal Williams and Zach Moss. Zach Moss is allergic to the end zone. He doesn't like the score. I'm serious. <laughs> I know. He's like, stay away from me. It's just, mm-hmm. it's horrible. Him and Singletary both, really. I oh. mean, but but I mean, um, yeah, that's fine. We love like, the passing game. We love the sure. passing game. So, the leverage. We talked about Adams, right? Mm-hmm. Did you want to get more into leverage? Uh, yeah, I think I think we should definitely just address um, Devonte because I think a lot of people will see that he is going to be projected for something like um, 80% ownership and and they're going to wonder how to build on that. And I think the natural inclination is going to be, uh, well, the obvious way is to build Packers stacks without Devontae. And I mean, while that could theoretically work, um, I, I, I don't know if I want to necessarily build a Packers team without him. I think probably the better way is to try to be unique within your Devonte team. So um, some players that stand out just in that game, if you're stacking the Packers, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he has seen a quarter of the Packers air yards over the month, over the last month. So if he's in, I don't know, 25% of lineups, that that's, seems like a decent number and you could throw him in with your Adams uh, stacks. I think a lot of people might be more inclined to go, uh, Adams, um, Tanyan, Rogers, um, maybe one of the running backs, and then try to um, load up on Carolina pass catchers like for that game stack. So I think that could push MVS's ownership down a little bit. And then if I where I am bringing it back, obviously we have uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. They've all kind of been had their highs and lows together. Uh, DJ Moore coming back from COVID, I think a lot of people might look at his usage before he was uh, inactive and and see how much volume he was getting in the air yards he was getting. Um, He's going to draw Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander's just really been putting the lock on wide receiver ones. Uh, So 
I'm probably going to be more uh, likely to roster Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel uh, on my Packers teams than I am DJ Moore. Yeah, it's it was kind of, kind of broke on Wednesdays coming off that COVID list, and it's like DJ Moore. What I'm going to do with him? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's I mean the thing is like the the thing is uh, I didn't mention it up top, but like if you are playing in these tournaments, the the thing you have to do is you just have to plant your flag in spots. And that's what I'm doing right now is just these are the spots where I'm going to plant my flag. You really have to narrow down your play, player pool and just decide like, okay, this these are the three running backs I'm going to use. These are the five or six receivers I'm going to use. Um, and this this is how often I'm going to use these stacks or how often I'm going to be contrarian um, with either the Denver or the Carolina side of things. And then just build around that. If you're trying to – if, if you have exposure to the entire player pool, you're just never going to be able to narrow it down. Um, I, I think it's almost more frustrating in these spots than it is on a full slate because it feels like you can cover all your bases, but then you're just never going to have enough combinations of players you love to separate from the field. Can I get super contrarian this week? And if I can, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I'm going to need to to win, right? Where can I get super, super contrarian? So I, I think that... Um, the two spots where you and this isn't pl- players again like you can throw some like crazy dart throws but i i think you have to be conscious of um how likely your lineup is to be the same as, as everyone else is going back to that example on thanksgiving like the difference was leaving twelve hundred dollars on the table with the defense now it doesn't necessarily have to be the defense but if i'm looking for the two spots where I should really be thinking about leaving a ton of salary on the table or just like whatever way is your way to have a very contrarian lineup build. I think two that really stand out are if you're stacking the Packers game, if you have Devontae Adams and Mike Davis in that stack together, those are going to be the two highest owned players um, on the slate. So I think naturally you're going to fall into very similar builds with very high ownership on all all the rest of your players. So my Devontae Adams and Mike Adams builds, I'm probably going to try to leave a ton of salary on the table. And then when I'm stacking the Bills game in the lineups where I have Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley in the same lineup, not now there's lots of ways to stack the Bills. They have a couple ancillary players that I like. But in the lineups where I have Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, they I think they'll probably end up being the two highest wide receivers not named Devontae. So if you have Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley together, I want to leave a lot of salary on the table because I think it's going to be hard to be unique in those lineups just from um, a, a single-player perspective as well. Yep, super contrarian. If you really mm-hmm. want to get super contrarian, leave $8,000 on the table. That'd 8000 be... is a ton. Um, well, you said super. I, 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 yeah, I think maybe like... I mean, especially <laughs> in late flex, flex situations, I mean like three or $4,000 I don't think is crazy. That's a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't think it's crazy on a two-game slate. Cool. Let's do it. Wide receivers and flex and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, that I, I on, on Thanksgiving, we it just it, it seemed very, very obvious that the, the running back situations were plain as day. So especially on FanDuel, it, was, it just seemed obvious to play three running backs. Again, we have three uh timeshares three backfield timeshares on the slate so on DraftKings, I, th- I think people will 
naturally fall into a lot of wide receivers in the flex builds. Um, don't be afraid to do it on FanDuel. I think it's actually probably going to be um, my favorite builds will be with wide receiver in the flex on FanDuel. Yeah. What about double tight end in a week where it's just so loaded at yeah. tight end on this Saturday? Yeah, for sure. Um, who else I do mean, we have beside? We got Goddard <laughs> and Andrews and who else? Yeah, don't do um, that on this slate. I, well, I guess you can. Again, you got to get different. I think I think it's fine to to use a tight end in the flex on this slate. So actually, like the next Grom. thing we were gonna, yeah, the next thing we were gonna we were gonna talk about was like dart throws that I like. So I kind of will tie it into that question. Um, we have Tunyon and Noah Fant. I think they'll probably combine for, I would say. Tch, 80% of the tight end ownership hmm. uh, just because the rest of the tight ends aren't, aren't good. Dawson Knox, Ian Thomas are the starters, but I don't think anybody's really going to load up on them. So um, I think you could make the argument for a Tanya Noah Fant uh, build. I also think you can just play neither of them. And if the, the most, the crazy dart throw can be a Tyler Croft or Mercedes Lewis, because if Tunyon or Fant don't score, and either of those guys do, um, that's they're all of a sudden the tight end one. Is, you have to play a tight end. So I, I think like Mercedes or Tyler Crofter are, are viable, crazy 1%. If you're pl- looking for sub 5% plays, those are probably the most obvious ones because hmm. there's only two viable tight ends this week. Uh, defense a, can actually win a slate, believe it or not. Like a yes. big blow-up can win a slate. So it's... Yep. I mean, you're obviously you're going to see a lot of players just gravitate to the top two defenses here. What do you want to do? Uh, again, I think probably we see Bills and Packers combined for at least seventy percent of ownership in tournaments. So if you're more likely to be contrarian, um, I think it's pretty clearly with the Broncos. Obviously, the Panthers leave a little bit more salary on the table, um, but the Broncos. As great as Josh Allen has been, he's going to run. We've seen him fumble quite a bit, and he's going to throw a couple uh, oops balls every single game. So Denver's going to have chances to capitalize on that. Again, everybody's going to be on on, um, on Buffalo and Green Bay's defenses. We saw it on Thanksgiving, that, that little subtle change and having a the same build as everybody else, people clicking optimizers, um, but then just switching it out for one of these super contrarian defenses can be the difference. Um, even if isn't different even if it's the same exact point even if if denver only matches if there's no defensive touchdown everybody just has six or seven defensive points just the fact that you have a, a different lineup uh, can be enough of a reason but uh if i'm picking the contrarian defense it's denver instead of carolina i'm looking forward to the slate well both slates but let's go saturday games we've had tuesday games we got thursday games we just got games everywhere sunday monday this is great yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun couple of weeks we have Saturday this week, Saturday next week. We have a Friday game next week. Um, and then week 17 is always crazy because uh, it's just it's it's almost like a preseason week sometimes. Yep. All right, buddy. That's it. Sign up right now. DFS sub dropped to 24 bucks for the rest of the regular season and through the playoffs. 
yeah, uh, get access to that. Get access to um, all the content that we've been talking about here. The the AMAs on on Discord that we do every Saturday. Um, probably be on there a little bit more than usual with all these funky slates. Obviously, ton of showdown content where Jeff Hicks has been really active on Discord. So really encourage everybody to get that super discounted price and give you a little taster for if you if you haven't tried it yet and want to roll into next season prepared. Um, this is a nice way to try it out at a discount. Uh, if you want more of us, you can find us on Twitter. Holden's at Holden Radio. 444 is at 444 Football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys the next lonely week. Nights. They fade away. He slips into his white Nikes. He smokes a clip and then he's on the way. To free his mind and searcher. To free his mind and searcher. To free his mind and searcher. Day and night. The lonely stoner seems to free his mind at night. He's all alone through the day and night. The lonely loner seems to.